this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Welcome to WrestleBodies, Game Plus Wrestling Podcast about friendship, wrestling, and wrestling with friendship. I am your host, Matt Elfring, and with me is my closest wrestle buddy, Chris Hayner. Wow, that was very excitable, Matt. I like where you're at today. I like the energy. Let's keep it flowing because we got a lot of good stuff going on today. And um, yeah, it, it's a it's a good week. It's a new day. Yes, it is. It is a new day. And because it's a new day, how about you do us a favor right off the bat? Go rate us and review us on iTunes. We would surely love it. I will say this. Uh, I, I learn more and more as time goes on the importance of ratings and reviews on iTunes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just head on over there and give us a rating. And if you really like us, uh, write a few words about why I'm so awesome. That's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, you, you could write a little thing. You could. I like, mean, you might, you may or may not see a review there that makes no mention of me and just talks about how sexy Matt is. Yeah, yeah. Well, what that's a- that. That's that's just that's just one of my fans. <laughs> <laughs> one of the Elfring Nation. Uh, Chris, what do we have on the menu for dinner today? Oh, Matt, what a wonderful two, three. In fact, three course meal we're gonna oh, have today. Oh boy, I'm excited for that. Oh. So our, our, we're, we're, we're going back. We're going back to the theater because mm. uh, Broadway's still closed, but WrestlePiece Theater never goes anywhere. We have a brand new WrestlePiece Theater Day. We have a mailbag stuffed, stuffed with listener questions. But before that, this is a special week. Uh, there, is, there is a new uh, documentary film out uh, called You Cannot Kill David Arquette, mm-hmm. which... I mean, I don't know why someone I don't know why someone would want to kill him, but it is about David Arquette's return to wrestling to sort of redeem himself from his uh, 2000 run in uh, world championship wrestling. Matt, uh, the kids call it WCW. They uh, do. So we thought, what better time for us to revisit David Arquette's WCW adventure? That's a good idea. And I know a lot of you are thinking, wait a minute, or weren't you guys going to talk about Ready to Rumble with Tam this week? Yes, we were. We sure were. Things had to change. And I think even before we can get into that, you need to know about David Arquette's WCW adventure. Got to have the context. We're get, like, listen, it's not like we're not, we're never going to talk about Ready to Rumble. We're going to talk about Ready to Rumble a little bit in this segment. Yes. Because it, like, this doesn't happen without Ready to Rumble. I, I do want to point out, originally, we were just going to talk about You Cannot Kill David Arquette, the documentary, which we both watched. Mm-hmm. However, we both hated it. So, <laughs> I yeah, I, 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 I didn't like the beginning. Like, it kind of, it grew on me a little bit by the end when they started getting to yeah. the hopeful parts. There was too, too much of it was focused on, like, man, isn't wrestling terrible? Aren't wrestlers the worst? Because, like, the whole thing is, like, it's about, like, the whole the whole premise is him talking to wrestlers who are just disgusted by his WCW run and like what he did to their business. And I'm like, bro, you are a 17 year old backyarder from somewhere in new England that no one has ever, and will never hear of. He didn't do anything to your business. Also it's, it's 2020. Uh, Chris and I were teenagers when this was happening, late teens, even. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember. I mean, obviously he had heel heat, which we will get into. Um, I don't hate David Arquette. No. I look back on this moment of him and WCW extremely fondly and actually something that's good for the business, even though it's kind of bad for the business at the same time. Yeah, it. I don't think it's the bad. We'll get into it. But I don't think it's the bad thing that like a lot of more old school types would like to build it up to be. Um I think it's fun. I loved. I love David Arquette. Like I'm yeah, same here. I, I am uh, an A number one Scream series fan. I am Deputy Dewey representing for life, and also uh, Ready to Rumble is a fun movie. So like I, I was like, oh my god, the guy from the wrestling movie is trying to be a wrestler, and he's made, and he like he's he's 
he's playing into the surreal and mocking it with his over the top costumes and his crazy entrance and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the whole idea of the documentary is supposed to be, you know, the the thesis for the film is uh, this is his road to redemption. Can he win over people that hate him? Right. However, it is set up in such a way where this movie tries so hard to let the audience know that David Arquette is hated in 2020. He's not, by the way. Right. Uh, that wrestling fans just, oh, they're so mad about him. They're not, by the way. I would also uh, go so far as to say uh, half of the wrestlers and wrestling shows shown in the movie, I maybe they're real. I'm convinced they're not real. Like, I don't think that Backyard Federation's a real thing. I have a hard no. time believing anything that happened in the Lucha portion of the movie. Oh, that's actually real. That is, that is actually real. Like wrestling, the, the, wrestling in intersections. And, and yes, that is a very, very real thing. Vice is the wrestlers covered that uh, really? guys that wrestle at a stoplight in uh, I think it's Tijuana. Uh, and they just like make tips during the stoplights by like wrestling in the street. It's a very, very real thing. It's actually it's the most unbelievable thing about the show or the movie that is actually real. That's so much of this and so much of this movie is uh it's just, it's contrived. It's, it's set up. It's shots that are set up that are awkward. Like DDP and David Arquette doing <laughs> yoga on the beach, yeah. uh, him and the Lucha Libres on top of a mountain screaming at the sunset. It is trying uh, so hard to be art, uh, to mix in storytelling and wrestling when all you really need to needed to do was follow David Arquette through, you know, uh, trying to become a wrestler again and kind of he I'll be honest, like, I think he's made it back in the indie scene personally. Absolutely. He he gets like, well, when there is an indie scene, he gets booked like it happens. Yeah. I will say for me, the most compelling character of the entire documentary is his 14 year old daughter, Coco, who wavers the whole movie between God, you're embarrassing me so much, dad. And like being really proud of him for yeah. like chasing yeah. a dream. Like that, 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 that kid is very cool. That kid is of course, uh, the product of his first marriage. So she is the daughter of both David Arquette and Courtney Cox. So maybe she's acting. I don't know. But like, she was really real. Like I loved her in that movie. Yeah. Uh, I'll give a couple quick notes. Um, so there is a moment in the movie there. I really got frustrated. Uh, I love documentaries. Like I've, I've actually done a short, a couple short documentaries myself back in the film school days. Oh God. Um, so there's a, a moment when Arquette is working his way up the ranks in the independent film scene. And it's all montage, which super pissed me off. Cause that's what that's, I wanted that's to see. Stuff, like montage, the sad stuff. But at that same time, you lose David Arquette's perspective on what's going on entirely. He becomes like the third person here. It's no longer a first person point of view story anymore, yeah. which really, really bugs me because during the end credits, you get some of the best stuff about Arquette uh, out of the entire movie. They are uh, the directors talk to Brian Pillman Jr. And Junior Junior <laughs> Pillman mentions that Arquette donated all of his money that he made during his WCW run oh. to Pillman and Owen Hart's families after, you know, Brian and Owen passed. And also draws that that will we, we will get we'll get we'll get to that in the breakdown of yeah. his time at WCW. But that is something that just like humanizes him better than anything else in this movie. And it's stuck in the closing credits. Yeah. And it, it's like there's a real there's a great person there. There's a David Arquette character that we get in this movie, but I care more about the person who is had a seem a bizarre growing up life, but like he seems to kind of put things together and kind of find his own path. And that's what I wanted to see. And the movie tries to give you that, but it, I just feel like it fails miserably because it's caught up in its own kayfabe. And it, and it also works very hard to villainize uh, his time in WCW, which as you'll find out as we're, as we start getting into it now, it's it really shouldn't like it's no better or worse than literally anything else going on at WCW in the last few years mm -hmm. of the company's existence. Um, I will say uh, Ready to Rumble hit theaters uh, on April 7th in the year 2000. Uh, it did not do well. Uh, I know that I saw it in theaters. All of us. I also saw it in theaters. I would like to note. Uh, but to promote it, uh, Arquette made his first WCW appearance on April 12th, a full week after it came out. Uh, promotion. <laughs> now I'd like to remind everyone Robocop and Chucky made their WCW appearances before their movies came out and it did not help either of those. So maybe that was the idea here. We'll have it after it comes out. That'll make it better. It did not. 
Why uh, wouldn't you promote a movie about wrestling starring WCW wrestlers about WCW on WCW? That's a good question, Matt. <sighs> okay. Anyway. Uh, so like it's, it's an episode of thunder. I literally just finished watching it. Uh, David is sitting in the crowd during the show. And after the main event, which was DDP versus Bam Bam Bigelow, uh, the new blood uh, faction that comprises of young up and comers like Scott Steiner and Jeff Jarrett <laughs> yep. uh, beat up DDP. And cause DDP is a part of the millionaires club. Uh, and uh, Arquette jumps the rail, climbs up to the top rope and jumps down onto Eric Bischoff, but not with a move. He just tries to grab him on his way down. It doesn't work. Jarrett beats the crap out of him, gives him a stroke. David Arquette. I will say this. He sells it well, though. Like he he yeah. seems like a dude who's just gotten beaten up by Jeff Jarrett. Uh, I will. I'm going to I'll pop back to the documentary really quick. That is one thing I think Arquette is phenomenal at when it comes to his rain work is selling. Yes. Like he is. Unless you cut, one, unless you cut his neck open. Yeah. Don't cut his neck open anyway. <laughs> uh, so from there, DDP or uh, uh, David Arquette aligns himself. He makes almost a mini stable with DDP and someone who I love dearly. Uh, who we've talked about briefly before, and we'll talk about much more in the future, Chris Canyon, because yes. Chris Canyon was very involved in the production of Ready to Rumble. Right, Matt? Isn't that the case? I do not remember. I be I believe he was. I will also <laughs> say Mike Tenay flat out says, uh, so instrumental in Ready to Rumble is Chris Canyon. <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't clarify how, but uh, so uh, he was definitely in it for a couple shots, at least. Yes. Uh, well, yeah, I, must, I think he was also one of the people who helped train uh, the actors. Oh, like, yeah, wrestle. he's kind of one of the, the specialists they hired yes. for the movie. A consultant. A consultant. You Thank you. Uh, so cut to April 24th episode of Nitro. David Arquette beats Eric Bischoff uh, in one on one competition. It's kind of like how uh, Dominic Mysterio Guerrero uh, beat Seth Rollins at, um, I don't know, some pay-per-view payback payback payback. Uh, and then cut to the very next episode of WCW TV, another episode of Thunder. <sighs> okay, so the show opens. It's so ridiculous. The show opens with uh, Jarrett and Bischoff arriving in like a Cadillac. They get out and they're like, we're here to party. We even brought a special guest. And they pull David Arquette out of the tr beaten up out of the trunk of the car, uh, which tells me uh, they kidnapped David Arquette. This is a <laughs> felony. He has been kidnapped by Jeff Jarrett and WCW president Eric Bischoff. I don't know why the cops don't show up immediately and put them both in jail. Uh, so they grab him out of the trunk. They take him to the ring. Jared has him in a headlock the whole time. He's he's trying to essentially bait DDP into coming out to the ring. DDP at the time is WCW champion. Uh, Jeff Jarrett, shock among shocks, is uh, a bad guy who wants to be champion. So what does he do? Kidnaps DDP's friend, Hollywood star David Arquette. Hasn't, uh, wait, hold on. Hasn't Jeff Jarrett's gimmick been, I'm a bad guy who wants to be champion for the entirety of his run in wrestling? <laughs> Listen, slap nuts. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, so this somehow leads to a match, main event match. It is a tag team match. It is David Arquette and Devin Dallas Page versus Eric Bischoff and Jeff Jarrett. The only in WCW stipulation for this match is... Whoever gets the pin just becomes WCW champion for for no apparent reason. Yeah, it makes sense. Because why not? Uh, so they, they continue to beat up on David Arquette throughout the show. Eventually, DDP gets him back. And he's like, bro, you don't have to come do this because you've been beaten to death. We don't know. Like, stop, please. Uh, uh, and yet still, David Arquette comes to the ring with DDP. And this is my favorite moment of the match. It is during DDP's entrance. Uh, he, he, he holds David Arquette back and he throws his hands up into the diamond cutter to set off his pyro, you know? Yeah. And David Arquette tries to do his own version of it, but the pyro goes off and he jumps because he's scared of it. <laughs> so like they've, they've painted David Arquette's face to make it look like he has a black eye and bruises and he's scared of the pyro. And like, in my mind, the David Arquette character is guy with PTSD is being put through <laughs> hell. Because he has to promote his movie that is failing at the box office. Because but isn't that kind of the perfect, like, character for Arquette in this exact moment? Like, absolutely. 
yeah, he's, he's wearing in like, unfamiliar ta- territory, and, and like he's this. None of this makes sense to him. It's all weird. And he's like he's he's proving that he is a wrestling fan. Like you can see, he's trying to lean into some sort of character. He's wearing like this mesh T-shirt almost, so you can kind of see through the shirt and he's wearing like, like yeah. shiny pants and whatnot, but like, it's, it's all so bizarre. It's <sighs> beautiful. It's it, Matt. <laughs> it's art. It it's is art. Uh, ultimately, like I know you're going to be shocked to hear this. Uh, David probably Arquette, cause I don't it, remember anything from wrestling ever. Oh, David Arquette speared Eric Bischoff at the same time as Jeff Jarrett hit DDP with a chair. Uh, they both pinned the the guys they hit. The ref saw David Arquette first, so he got the count and was named WCW champion on the spot. I know what you're thinking, Matt. DDP is mm-hmm. going to be irate because DDP yeah. just lost his WCW championship. Not only did he lose it, he lost it to a Hollywood actor. Even though that's his friend, that's still money taken. That's like that's money taken out of his pocket. Like yeah, this Hollywood status. elite comes yeah. in and gets all yeah. the money. This 1% Hollywood like superstar from movies like Scream and Scream 2 comes and in like freaks. And, and ready to rumble. And ready to rumble. Box office dynamo ready to rumble because this was also this was this was like 2 or 3 weeks into Ready to Rumble's release. It was not doing well. Uh, no. It it was it was dead on arrival. In, but that's not what happened, Matt. Uh DDP was thrilled that he was no longer WCW champion. He raised David Arquette's hand. They celebrated. They escaped together through the crowd. They were best friends. Why? I don't know. I really because don't Because like, the weight of being champion is finally off of my shoulders. Finally. When people look at <laughs> WCW, they're not going to see my face attached to all this. Bang. <laughs> Self high five. <laughs> But okay, so technically David Arquette was only champion for 12 days. Uh yeah, appeared, but, but people made it seem like it was three years. It, they really did. Like the fact that this blip in the radar is the thing that is stuck in the craw of so many wrestling fans. Literally, Vince Russo made himself WCW champion at one point. Eric Bischoff was WCW champion. Vince McMahon was WWF champion. Vince McMahon, Vince McMahon was ECW champion. We can't pretend that David Arquette being WCW champion is the worst thing to happen to wrestling. I would say out of all of these, I do like Bischoff as champion actually uh, for a brief time, but I would say out of all those, like Arquette as champion is probably the best storyline. Absolutely. Like some, like it's a kind of a, a, I I hate to make the comparison, but I'm going to do it. A bullet club mentality where you have these outsiders invading and like becoming the best. Uh, David Arquette uh, is bullet club for life, baby. <laughs> He's too sweet. Um, I, I will also say uh, David Arquette is WCW champion led to one of my favorite WCW moments. I don't know if you watched the video I linked you to, Matt. Yes, uh, I did. I've seen it many times. It is my favorite thing. It is a vignette that was filmed on the set of 3000 miles to Graceland. Uh, David Arquette shows up to set with his wife, Courtney Cox. And with his wife, the WCW championship title around his waist. Um, And he just keeps telling her, like, I'm WCW champion. She's like, David, you're not a wrestler. What are you doing? Uh, And then since it is a set of 3000 miles to Graceland, WCW gets its biggest celebrity guest star of all time. Yep. Kurt (laughs) Russell, Matt. Kurt (laughs) Russell is there. Kurt Russell's like, what is going on here? And Courtney Cox is like, David's the WCW champion. And he's like, yeah, I'm the champ. And, and Kurt Russell's like, sure. And he starts laughing and he walks away. <laughs> and David Arquette's first instinct is to look offended and then grab a steel folding chair to run after him. <laughs> and you just hear the last thing you hear is Courtney Cox going, David, you're not a wrestler. <laughs> it's the best thing. We, we will put this link on the Twitter because it is, it is, no joke. It is a top five WCW segment for me. It's it it's a delight. So man. good. Um. Oh my god. I just I can't. It's and Kurt Russell's Kurt Russell's technically a WCW alumni. Good. What what is <laughs> what what WWE booked K Fed? WCW got Kurt Russell, bro. Take that. 
also, anyways, I like 3,000 miles to Graceland. Arquette was champion for 12 days. <laughs> he was, yes. Sorry. Can we do a we, segment on Kurt Russell and WCW next week? Yeah, um, sure. <laughs> Arquette was champion for 12 days uh, at Slamboree. It was David Arquette versus DDP versus uh, Jeff Jarrett. And it's in the triple decker cage, which any which all three people, all three of us who saw Ready to Rumble yeah. would recognize from the main event of that movie. It is a cage on with a smaller cage on top of it and then an even smaller cage on top of that second cage. And in theory, I will say, because I have watched this match probably in the yes. last year. I've mm-hmm. watched Ready to Rumble easily twice in the last year. <laughs> Every week. The the movie version of this match works out very, very well. Mm-hmm. The actual real life version of this match does not work well because everything's so shaky and like it feels like, you know, like weird carnies came to town and set up like a really <laughs> shady ride and it's going to fall apart at any moment. It's as if WCW watched the movie and was like, oh, man, we could build one of those. We got 20 minutes. Yeah, and then they, just, <laughs> they grabbed a bunch of fencing and just put it together. And uh, like, because- wasn't wasn't like cage two or yeah cage two had weapons in it right cage two had weapons in it yes and then the the title was hanging from the top of cage three yeah because you couldn't have actual wrestling in cage two because someone's going to go through it because yeah because there's no mat yeah and no matter how well it's built it it's gonna give it's just tiny pieces of metal yeah like chain link fence it's the visual of the triple the triple cage match is incredible like yes that seeing a camera shot looking at that cage that that three-tiered cage it looks awesome like it's it like looks the punjabi so prison cool. like the punjabi prison like it looks great and you're like oh wait this doesn't the, like i work. hate the, the, here's here's why i'll disagree with you matt i thought the punjabi prison was a total joke because you couldn't literally see through this the, the oh the no i know fence. the match itself is terrible but i like i like the look of it a lot it was yeah it was, it's yeah yeah it's a spectacle. Oh, it's, I mean, that's what. Yeah, it's it, yes, perfect. That's a perfect way to put it. It was spectacle. Yeah, and it and it, and it was spectacle. It looked amazing. Yeah, the match. I mean, I don't know what you're expecting from a match in which in two of the three cages you can't wrestle, and David Arquette isn't really trained to wrestle, so there isn't a lot you can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but oh, in that second cage was a guitar, Matt. Oh man! Oh no! What's gonna happen? You know what they, you know what Jeff Jarrett loves to do with guitars, right? Play he them. Likes, he no, well, <laughs> well, no. He likes to pretend he plays them, but then he likes Be my to baby s- tonight. He likes to smash them over heads, Matt. Oh no! Whack, slap nuts. That's the second time I've said that in this episode, and I like it. <laughs> That's we, twice too many. <laughs> I know, but we don't have to censor slap nuts, right? No. Good, because that's three, baby. <laughs> um, no. So somehow. Somehow, David Arquette gets the guitar instead oh, of Jeff no. Jarrett. And you're, oh, but it's okay. He's gonna whack Jarrett over the head and either let his buddy DDP get the title or reclaim it for himself and go on to become. Uh, I'm assuming just a long running like three year champion of WCW. Oh yeah, that makes sense to me. Uh, classic made against the main events against the likes of Ric Flair, Bret Hart, Goldberg. Like we love the Goldberg versus David Arquette feud. We don't because he hit DDP in the head with the guitar. Oh, he no. turned heel. He turned heel, Matt. David oh, Arquette, no. Hollywood elite David Arquette was a bad guy the entire time. Oh, boy. This is a long, convoluted way to get Jeff Jarrett the championship. <laughs> Remember how easy it was to give Hogan the championship? Vince Russo just had to throw it at him and call him a scumbag and walk yeah, away. Yeah, yeah. Or finger poke a doom it. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, yeah, this was a this was this was like the longest of cons. The, now, to in WCW's defense, this is the longest thought out storyline they'd had in I'm gonna say 25 years. I would disagree. Uh, mm-hmm. 25 years is a lot considering that NWO was I, a. I, I was I was being sarcastic. But during that during that latter era, WCW, this is the yeah. most thought out and best storyline, <laughs> which is it's which is nuts, especially given that everyone looks back on it so negatively. But like, I yeah, I love the fact he he turned heel. He lost. He turned heel just in time to not really to kind of go away because he was done. Um, yeah, I mean, like he showed up a few times because he kind of came out and give promos about how he he's Hollywood and everybody else is scum. Type yeah, thing. well, so he came out the next night on Nitro. He said he did to, you know, because he's Hollywood, bro. Yeah. And he let he let DDP know that their whole relationship was, and I quote, a swerve. 
So oh. I'm going to let you guess who wrote that promo, Vince Russo. <laughs> um, and then DDP just came out, gave him a diamond cutter <laughs> to send him packing. Uh, he showed up again. His last appearance in WCW was at the New Blood Rising pay-per-view. He showed up to interfere, interfere in a Chris Canyon match. And that was all she wrote for David Arquette and WCW. I, you know, I wonder if like he left because of the amount of like heat on him from the wrestling fans. If I had to guess, I think he left because that wasn't his job. Like he was there yeah. to promote the movie. The movie had been out the movie. And honestly, I wouldn't hold it against him if he was just kind of bummed that the movie flopped hard. Yeah, because it did. Like there's there's no there's no way around the fact that the movie just kind of died. And um, it's, it's a silly movie. It is a very silly movie. It's like the most of its time movie I can think of. Like yeah. only in that era could a movie completely surrounding the idea of like wrestling being still a kayfabe thing come out uh, as a comedy and just and, and the I, stars of the movie, their characters run a uh, poop sucking business. Yes, <laughs> that's, that's the thing. Um, yeah, we're, we'll get into Rated Rumble in extreme detail. Soon. We're, we're going to cover Rated Rumble. I, I'm I want to say at least seven different times. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. Um, and, and and honestly, hopefully one of them with David Arquette. I'm going to try to make that happen. I'm yes, just I'm, I'm 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 just I'm just putting that out there into the universe. I want it. David Arquette, come on and talk about the fun things about Ready to Rumble. And we'll talk about how much we love it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it like the 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 gist of that movie is David Arquette and um Scott Con Scotty Con from Entourage and Ocean's yep. Eleven. Uh they uh, they like they empty out septic tanks and porta potties. <laughs> but 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 David Arquette dreams of becoming a wrestler and he eventually does. Uh, with Oliver Platt, the king, Jimmy King. He Jimmy King, will, Oliver Platt. He will rule you. Oliver, I, I always, it's I always so like, wild that Oliver Platt is in this movie. Yeah. I, I always do want to note that w- with Arquette, him winning the title, this was never something he was in for. He did not want to do that. Yep. Uh, this was a Vince Russo and Eric Bischoff call. Um, and as we've mentioned earlier, he donated all the money he made to the families of Owen Hart, Brian Pillman, and Draz um, after Draz was paralyzed in WWE. Um, and I'll say this: we've we've said it all along. Not that bad. No, I we you know in the, the grand scheme of things, not that bad. The few years that we've been working together and become best friends, uh, we have talked about our cat wrestling. In WCW hundreds of times. I I do not have one negative thing to say about it. Yes, it's a poor way to promote a movie, but I think it is a worthwhile, brilliant storyline. And I know that's weird to say because it seems dumb on paper, but it really is brilliant because we're still talking about it in 2020. Absolutely. And like and like David Arquette still trying to. Uh, sort of redeem himself from that, even though he doesn't need redemption from it. No. It was a very year 2000 thing. Yeah. I mean, you think about all of WCW's greatest moments. I mean, you know, one of the biggest moments is probably Hulk turning on Macho Man and joining the NWO. Mm-hmm. I'd put David Arquette up there. I really would. I mean, listen, not above it, but I put it up there. <laughs> right. Like WCW put Judy Bagwell on a forklift. They turned uh, what's what was it? Was it Mike Awesome that they made into the fat chick thriller? Yeah. Like Disco Disco Inferno was a long standing character on WCW who then changed his name to Disco D.I.S.Q.O. because of Cisco. Yes. Like WCW made so many more so many more worse choices than David Arquette. Kiss there performed was, live on WCW in one of the lowest rated segments in wrestling history. There was a Viagra on a pole match, if you remember uh, that. I think it was Juventud Guerrero. Oklahoma. Uh, Hoovy was in a, a pinata on a pole match. Pinata on a pole. Uh, dude, Oklahoma. Oklahoma. And yeah. Ferrara doing the Oklahoma character. There's so many worse things in WCW. Hugh Morris becoming a general or Hugh G Rection than general Rection. Oh, major guns, major guns (laughs) with a Z. So anyway, if you're, if you're one of those people that's still out there fuming over David Arquette in WCW, maybe you don't like wrestling. (laughs) 
things change. But the attitude thank era. God. Attitude era, and I don't think we give Attitude Era enough credit for. I didn't know we talk about the bad stuff in it a lot, but the Attitude Era completely changed how wrestling works uh, from television to fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it incorporated storyline elements more than any other era before it, and that's kind of where we're at now. And it's all because of the Attitude Era. Yeah, it, it wrestling went from being wrestling to being a television show, which is what it is and what it should be. It's exactly it's, it's compelling stories, it's compelling characters. I don't know if you know this, Matt. Many TV shows have things called guest stars. Yeah, yeah. It's a guest star. It's stunt casting, and it worked. And it's also not the first time wrestling had stunt casted. Like, that's not even the first time WCW had stunt casted. Like, Carl Malone and Dennis Rodman were doing WCW stuff long before this. Uh, Since WrestleMania 1, WWF has been incorporating celebrities into its programming. Yeah. Snooki, Snooki wrestled at WrestleMania for crying out loud. And Mr. T was in a boxing match. (laughs) We're giving David Arquette grief for promoting his movie and actually and and not only promoting his movie, but being a fan of the product. Yeah. Like he loved wrestling. I don't I really don't think there's people out. Are there really hardcore indie guys out there that are still mad about Arquette? Is yeah, there's like thing? that. There's like that that kid with the long hair in the backyard in the documentary. No, not the documentary stuff. There's all stuff. his friends in the documentary. I don't believe a, a word out of any of those indie fans in there. I really don't. Um, I, no, honestly, no. I, I I think I I hope people are fine with it. I hope people look back on it fondly. They should. I do. Yeah. So yeah, go watch David Arquette in WCW. You will have oh uh, just a great time, especially when you see him yelling at Kurt Russell. And Chris, uh, we've talked about the cinema. I'd like to take us to the theater. The right cinema? Now. The cinema. Cinema. I, I'd like so, to take, let's go to the theater. Oh, let's go to, I, okay. And it, let's just get ready. It's time for WrestlePiece Theater. Chris has no idea what we're talking about. I do not know what the segment is. I don't know what I'm going to be reading. It's a weird deep cut from, uh, well, I'll get into what this is later. Uh, oh, we're going to talk about what it is after I do it. Yes. Fantastic. Okay. Oh, Let's, let me do let that me look sweet in. intro. <laughs> Welcome to WrestlePiece Theater, where we reenact dramatically great promos and segments throughout wrestling history. Today, we go to IPW, where Buddy Lee interviews Jumpin' Jeff Farmer. The part of Buddy Lee will be played by Matt Elfring. The part of Jumpin' Jeff Farmer will be played by Chris Hayner. We now go backstage at an IPW show. Earlier, we talked to Jumpin' Jeff Farmer. Now let's go to that interview. Folks, there's Jumpin' Jeff Farmer. Jeff, a while back, what a match you had with Motley. Yep. Probably the hardest match I ever had in my life. But I don't like it when things are going my way. Motley Cruz, you turned the tables on me. You turned the tables in a wrong way. You got me mad now. I've stood around. I've listened to everything you had to say. I did everything necessary. But then, but when you turn around and you backstab me one way or another and you treat, you cheat me out of what's rightfully mine, that's what I get angry. Now, I'm the one doing the challenging. I'm issuing a challenge to you, Motley Cruz. Get in the ring with me. This time, I'm going full force. Jumping Jeff Farmer. Oh, that was fun, Chris. Oh, by the way, scroll on to the next page. We're doing another. Oh, what in the world? <laughs> <laughs> Folks, there's jumping Jeff Farmer. Well, he did it. He pinned me right in the middle of the ring. There's always a lesson to be learned every time you step into the ring. And Motley Cruz. <laughs> 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 and Motley Cruz, you taught me one very good lesson. You took me out of my game plan. I couldn't wrestle my kind of match. 
Believe me, I learn and I learn well. It don't take me long. Next time I get you in the ring, you're mine. New tactics, new game plan, you're mine. Oh, great, Chris. <laughs> what is that? Uh, scroll down to the next page. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> what? <laughs> Jumpin' Jeff Farmer. <laughs> Destruction Unlimited. That's what he calls himself, Destruction Unlimited. Gonna put me down and I'm never gonna get back up. No one's ever done that. I've done a lot of things in my day, and I've gotten hurt many a times, but I've always risen to the occasion. You're not gonna hold me down, nobody's gonna hold me down, and I'm not gonna lay down for anybody. You wanna fight me? You wanna wrestle me? I'm gonna do either one, but one way or another, I'm gonna come out on top. Chris, that was a beautiful read. Can you scroll on to the next page? Matt, what are you doing? <laughs> Why are you doing? Oh my God. <laughs> this is so long. Hold on. I need a drink of water. No, you, no breaks. Oh, great. This okay. is the theater, Chris. Okay, I'm sorry. The paying audience. How could I forget? Folks, here's Jumpin' Jeff Farmer. How you doing, Buddy Lee? Good. <laughs> I've heard the. Should, sure Chris, hold on. Should I go back and do that reading again? Did yes, I not give, get. Okay. Yeah, I want to give you some dramatic influence on that good. Good. I'm, heard, I'm sure you've heard the old saying somebody's a crybaby. Well, I've been beaten many a time in the middle of the ring, but I've never cried about it and I never will. Motley Cruz. First time we met, you took me out of my game plan. You beat me one, two, three in the middle of the ring. Second time we met, I made the adjustments. I beat you one, two, three in the middle of the ring. I didn't cry about it, and I don't see why you should either. You made some threats against me, saying you were gonna put me down, whether it be in the streets or in the, oh, in the middle of the squared circle. I was gonna say in the sheets. Well, if you want to meet me in the middle of the squared circle, that's fine. Because I'll accept any challenge that's thrown out to me. Doesn't matter to whom or from whom, but I'll take it. I just hope I don't have to look over my shoulder for you, because I'd hate for anybody to get hurt. Now let's go to the ring. All right, Chris, can you scroll on the next page? I'm joking, I'm joking, that's it. <laughs> Wait. That's it, that's it. Oh, okay. Matt, who's jumping Jeff Farmer? <laughs> All right. So here's the thing about jumping Jeff Farmer. He is a wrestler from the 80s in IPW. Um, essentially, after researching as much as I could, he is a ghost. Uh, so we wrestled out of uh, the Little Rock, Wait, Arkansas. What? What he's a ghost. Like, not like a real ghost. Not like a ghost like we have on the show, but like I can, not, there's no he, info he, on him. He's not a ghost. He's not a spooky ghost. Okay. Uh, he's from uh, He wrestled in Little Rock, Arkansas during the 80s. Uh, the guy that he's facing in this onslaught of terrible promos, Motley Cruz is still active and a real person. Really? Still wrestling. He has a Facebook page you can check out. Um, I do want to point out, uh, cause in my research, I had written a lot about this guy, but this is not the same Jeff Farmer from WCW oh. from the tag team of thunder and lightning who went on to become NWO sting. Uh, this is just some guy jumping Jeff Farmer who did these promos, wrestled a few matches and disappeared forever. Matt, I have not watched these promos or heard of this person. Did yeah. I nail, did I get anywhere near his voice? You no, not at all. Uh, it's, it's more like, a, I'm sure you heard the old saying, somebody's a cry baby. And I'm also reading it better than he, like, mm. there's no I like, way. I like, I like my interpretation better than his then. Yeah. Uh, he's just like a, it's just like a farmer. He's just a, he's like a farmer who just like accidentally started wrestling. So he he is a farmer and his name is Jumpin' Jeff Farmer. Well, he's not a real farmer. He just looks like a flashy 80s wrestler. Like he has that satin jacket. Mm. Uh, but there is no way you would have ever read it like him because it is it is considered one of the worst promos of all time. Like how I, he reads. And I, I think I did it pretty well. I think you did very well. I mean, thank you, Chris. My, my throat hurts. <laughs> well, you know, 
you, Chris, Some, you know that old saying, somebody's a crybaby that everyone uses all the time? Yep, I use it all the time. There were a few moments in there where I was like, I feel like there are things I want to talk about. Uh, somebody's a crybaby was the first, the, the, the big one. Uh, the second time we met, I made the adjustments. I beat you one, two, three in the middle of the ring and I didn't cry about it. Why would you cry about winning? I don't understand. <laughs> I don't get it. As I was transcribing this, because I've watched this video like a bunch of times. It's insane. It's not like wrestling fans that like bad promos will like this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's read so terribly in the wording he uses. He says so much, but says so little. That's the best way to explain he, he it. He does say a lot. Yeah. He says almost four promos worth of stuff. And the way he intros that first segment is amazing. Like it just says, yep. And then I wrote beat because you need a beat, but it's more like, yep. And then it was just a long pause. <laughs> <laughs> Magical. Probably the hardest match I ever had in my life. Oh, wow. That was uh that's a deep cut this week for this week's WrestlePiece Theater. Thank you, Jumpin' Jeff Farmer, wherever you are. Yep. <laughs> Let's open up the mailbag. Oh, mailbag. All right, Matt. First question. Comes from a former guest, former two-time guest, the first member of our two-timers club, mm-hmm. uh, Keisha Hatchett. And hers is a very timely one that's already making me sad. Uh, Keisha wants to know how we feel about WWE breaking up the Iconics. And I'll tell you right now, travesty. Not happy about it. Not happy about seeing Peyton Royce in the W, or sorry, Raw Underground. That was weird. Yeah. Also, wasn't it? It was Billy Kay, Matt. Get it together. No, Peyton, it was Peyton. Th- Pey- Peyton threw Billy Kay into the ring. Oh, sorry. Yes. I don't understand the purpose of this. It's not like WWE's tag women's tag team division is like deep. It's not at all. They were filled with people. They're the real tag team in the women's tag team division. I uh, also the right squad, the right squad as a trio was interesting. The right squad as a tag team. I'm not. I like two people. Right. I liked what Liv was doing solo. This feels sort of back. This feels like sort of a step backwards for her. Um, and the, the 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 Iconics is a team gimmick that works really well. And they could do it as faces or heels. Like they could easily become the baby faces in this situation. And especially now that we're at a point where uh, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross seem to be going separate ways because Alexa Bliss is wearing uh, pigtails again. Cause she's, because she's evil. Harley Quinn now. Yeah. Um, I just, yeah, I, I, I am not a fan of this decision at all. Matt and I love the Iconics. I, I think, I don't know if we talked about that before. Do you remember when we were at, when we were at Mania in New York, I think Mm -hmm. it was before the, I feel like it was before the Iconics were really known, right? No, it couldn't have been. I well, I was at, I was at a WrestleMania access with someone, uh, when the Iconics were first starting out in NXT and they were doing a signing. And even at that point, I thought they were hilarious together on that on the stage together. I mean, they're a, they're a great comedic heel duo. Yes, and they're also talented wrestlers to boot. Yeah, and they're Australian, and that should get them extra points because Australians are cool. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, uh, so way next... for breaking way to break our hearts, Keisha. Yeah, Keisha, why why you gotta hurt us like this, Brooklyn? Uh, Keisha lives in Los Angeles now. It doesn't count. I know. Anymore. I'm still yelling Brooklyn at her. Uh, next question comes from Michael Ruiz. Ruiz? Michael Ruiz, uh, you've met Michael. I have met Michael. We met him at the uh, 2K20 event, right? Yeah, he's my buddy. He is cool. I'm sorry that our entire friendship is based upon a game that does not work. Uh, so is ours. <laughs> not you and me, but it might be me and Michael's. Wait, what game is your friendship based on? Well, we, we've, uh, so the 2K press events, we've been going them together for the past three years. We just kind of became buddies because we're both from the Chicagoland area. Aha. Uh-huh. Now, that's interesting because, like, you started going to all these as I stopped going to all these because yeah, I, went I, to all, I went to all of them when 2K was like, we'll fly you to New York for SummerSlam. I was like, okay. You were going when uh, GameSpot uh, Alessandro was going, and then they decided, why don't we just throw it to the wrestling guy? <laughs> why don't we, someone who cares? Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, Michael has the next question, and he says, probably obvious question, but what was your reaction to Mauro Ronaldo, Ronaldo leaving NXT commentary and Wade Barrett coming back for it? Well, the Manalo, Manalo, Mauro, Manamana, Manamana. The Mauro situation is, 
it's rough because like he does deal with issues with depression and it doesn't seem like WWE is a as the the company is a good fit for him. So I'm kind of glad that he's leaving for his own mental health. Um, I I love him on commentary though. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I guess like it's a bummer, but like it's for the best. And I'm pro Wade Barrett constantly. So Ab- absolutely, Wade Barrett has been okay. Well, first I'll talk about Morrow. Uh. He mentioned in his sort of statement about leaving the company that like he's taking care of himself and taking care of his mother, uh, which like, yeah, you you do what's best for you and your family and mm-hmm. all the all the, forever, every time. He it's not like he's gonna be hurting for work. He still has like showtime boxing and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and also like I'm dying for a Morrow hosted podcast. Like, how great would that be? Yes. Um, and Wade Barrett has been honing his skills as a commentator on the Indies. He's done stuff for NWA. He's done stuff for a a variety of places and he's really good. He still has me blocked on Twitter. We've never interacted. I've never spoken to him or about him, but for some reason I'm blocked and he blocked me at a, during the bad news, Barrett, the bad news, uh, Barrett stuff, which I loved. Yeah. So like it breaks my heart a little bit. Wait, Barrett, why, why you got to hurt me like this? (laughs) Um, but here's what I'll, my, my, my parting thought on this is, I am so glad that I got to be at the first episode of NXT on USA mm-hmm. uh, in, in the crowd because I was in uh, seats provided by WWE that were next to the commentary table. I spent the entire night listening to Morrow scream, commentate the matches, and it was perfect. Yeah. It was the perfect mix of being at a live show, but also hearing like very exuberant, very excited commentary. And like it, 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 massively improved the in like the entire experience and i will not forget that it's just a bummer that like within the span of a couple of weeks we lose both renee young and morrow it's i mean like those yeah. are people i love on the mic that really bring a a unique style to commentary even though renee young's not on actual commentary as much they both bring mm-hmm. like a great personality to commentating and backstage or whatever in general. And it just sucks to lose them because they're, I mean, I don't know. I just kind of feel like it's a lot of bland going on aside from that. Maybe someone will step up. Yeah. Well, that, and that's the thing. Like I'm, I'm hopeful that someone will step up. Also, uh, this isn't the first time Morrow has left WWE. No, like he's, not. he, yeah, he's left before and come back. So like, I don't know that this means he'll come back eventually, but like, I'm sure like based on the way like WWE worded the release in a very specific way compared to how they usually were them. They said this was amicable and mm-hmm. they said that this was sort of a mutual parting of the ways. And it, it this wasn't a, like you're gone's best in your future endeavor situation. Yeah. Uh, so like I would be willing to bet, like if Morrow wanted to come back eventually, that door would be open. And I think that'd be great. Yeah. Completely agree. Okay. Last question comes from our boy Dell 9000. D9000. Uh, for one year, you were only allowed to wear the ring gear of one wrestler. Does it matter what you're doing or where you're going? What wrestler do you choose? Matt, I'm going to let you go first. This is a weird one because it's like, do I want to be in a suit forever or do I want to wear <laughs> underwear? I was going to go IRS. Um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you can't go with a Ted DiBiase because then you look like an idiot everywhere. <laughs> Fair point. I mean, my job. I don't know. That's a that's a cool that's a cool suit though. It is a cool suit, but I couldn't wear that every day. Um, Why not? Because it's just too shiny, and I'm not a shiny, flashy dude. I mean, my first my first thought for me was like Shawn Michaels, like peak '90s Shawn Michaels with all the sequins. Oh, boy. Like, and then I was then I, then I was like, uh, I don't want to wear chaps, and like this seems like a bad idea. I wouldn't mind going with like pre sexy boy Shawn Michaels, like the Rockers era, where like he was wearing a leather jacket and a t shirt and jeans. Ooh, that'd be good. Because like I can I can pull that off. You got like a greaser look. I can do that. I don't have the hair for it, but Matt, I know what your answer should be because it'll most impress your wife. What's that? Finn Balor. <laughs> just walk out and just go everywhere in black trunks and a leather jacket and just jut your junk out at everyone. Can I just dress as like Becky Lynch, the man, when she was also wearing leather jacket, T-shirt and jeans? <laughs> yeah. Well, and that, that's what I think. I was like, I mean, I like I'm a T-shirt and jeans kind of guy. I wonder if I could pull off John Cena. And then I was like, I don't think I'm a jorts guy. No, no. How about how about Kem Shamrock Attitude Era? 
t-shirt and jeans, but the t-shirts tucked into the jeans. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to dress as a referee. Can I just, can I be a uh, little Nate? Uh, what's his name? Charles Robinson. Yeah. Can I, can I, can I cosplay as Charles Robinson for a year? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just black pants and a striped shirt uh, and yeah. super cool blonde hair. Who has like the most ridiculous like ring gear that you would have to wear in public? I, like, I mean, uh, Undertaker would be a lot like like Undertaker WrestleMania gear would be a lot. I go with I'd go with Vader uh, New Japan. The helmet? Yeah. With the helmet? <laughs> you walk into, with the helmet and the tights. You walk into a room, you take the helmet off, you set it down and fire shoots out of it. <laughs> yep. uh, Mick Foley would be super chill. Flannel sh- flannel button down tie dye shirt and sweats. That seems comfortable. But also it seems hot for like it does seem like because doesn't 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 Mick live in like Florida now? That seems like a bad mixture for Florida. He's heat. probably a t-shirt and shorts guy now. I hope so. I hope um, so. But yeah, there are oh my god, there are so many Sandman, just Zuba. We're all going with like t-shirt. attitude era guys because they wear the most sensible clothing. <laughs> it's true. Well, oh, okay, uh, Seth. I want to wear Seth Rollins' uh, Rey Mysterio tribute gear. And I will wear Rey Mysterio's <laughs> phantom gear from WCW. Oh, no, I want to I want to wear Dominic Mysterio hyphen Guerrero's uh, like hoodie, hoodie bodysuit. He only used it once. He that not true. He only had it didn't, in that one match. He didn't have it at payback. He lost the hoodie for payback, but like it's still the same bodysuit. Yeah, but there's just no hoodie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, which is probably for the best. That seems like a mistake. Yeah. Right off the bat. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So obviously my answer is uh, Shawn Michaels. We did it. We did it. We made an episode of a wrestling show. Congratulations to us. We did it, guys. Uh, next week, Chris, I yes, am Matt. very excited. I, Matt, next week, I don't know what we're talking about. So, yes, please tell me. Chris, I am taking us into the world of one of the most infamous moments in wrestling and what happened afterwards when we discuss the shock master. <gasps> oh, yes. We are not I'm gonna into sp- it. We're not going to spend the whole time talking about him falling. We're going to spend most of the time talking about what happened after he fell. A whole lot of nothing. That's it for this week's wrestle buddy. See you guys next week. Thanks for listening to wrestle buddies. We hope you had at least almost as much fun as we did. Go ahead and rate and review us on the Apple Podcast app. You can email us questions at WrestleBuddies at GameSpot.com or find us over on Twitter at WrestleBuddies. I am at Chris Hayner. He is at I'm Matt Elfring. See you next week. <laughs>